Thank you. I like my hat too. I'm not sure my wife loves my hat, but I think that's true for every dad. Hey, happy Father's Day, y'all. This is called contextualization in, in my line of work, right, in church work. When we want to reach out with the gospel into a community, we think about how to bridge cultural divides. You know what I'm saying? So you think about uh, when you're moving into a new community, you, you dress like that community, you speak like that community, you, you, you try to remove every artificial barrier to the gospel possible. And so on this Father's Day, I'm doing my best to channel uh, my inner father uh, to wish you a happy Father's Day, right? Which includes pulling the things out of my closet that I've saved forever, buying myself this really sick shirt, just like Michael Scott bought himself the world's best boss mug. And, uh, and, and in order to complete the contextualization, um, I really can't do that without telling a few dad jokes, right? Because that's absolutely necessary, right? Why do seagulls fly over the ocean? Because if they flew over the bay, they'd be called bagels. When two vegans get into an argument, is it still called a beef? I asked my dog what two minus two was. He said nothing. Why don't the skeletons climb the mountains? They don't have the guts. All right, you ready? This is the king of all dad jokes. My son asked me if I got a haircut. I said, no, I got them. Yeah, you guys know. Got them all. Happy, happy Father's Day, y'all. Happy, fa- I'm going to take this off. That's enough. Of, I'll take this off, too. That's enough of that. This was actually in my storage bin. I'm just telling you. I am a legitimate father, right? This is, uh, this is no act. Uh, happy Father's Day. Father's Day can be a complicated day for many people, and I always want to acknowledge that. Some of you had great dads, and today is a day to celebrate your dad, and, and I hope it's full of joy. Some of you honestly had some crappy dads, and, um, and today's a day of struggle for you. Some of you uh, really wanted to be dads, but life didn't work out the way you planned. For some of you, your journey in fatherhood has honestly brought you way more pain than you ever thought it could. And some of you are single moms picking up the pieces after dad left. So while we celebrate Father's Day, and I want to celebrate Father's Day, we do it uh, knowing that for many of you, we we risk increasing your pain. Uh, And I just want you to know we see you. And uh, we acknowledge that struggle because Uh, Dads can be a source of tremendous blessing. They can also be a source of tremendous pain. But I do think it's worth taking this morning and celebrating and encouraging our dads. Uh, The dads who are doing their best, right? Not perfect, but fighting for humility and fighting for courage and fighting for joy. So happy Father's Day to all of you. Who are dads, all of you who have dads. Fatherhood's no joke. It is the hardest thing you will ever do in life. And it is worth all the struggle. So this morning, I want to talk to you um, about our perfect dad, right? I want to talk to you about our heavenly father. We're going to be looking at a psalm that celebrates God 
as our good Father. Um, so we're going to be going over to Psalm 103 this morning. Psalm 103, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and flip open to Psalm 103. If you don't have a Bible, grab one off the chairs around you. In our Bibles, we're going over to page 502, 502 to be taking a look at Psalm 103. We, we've been looking at the Psalms uh, as a, through the, the, the lens of themes, right? The Psalms, the book of Psalms is like a diamond, and every time you turn it, you see a different facet. You see something else shining back at you. And uh, right now, we're looking at the, the theme of praise. And, uh, and so this morning, we're looking at a, a psalm of, of praise. Uh, and, and while we're looking at it, I want to talk to dads, the everyday heroes that are just doing their best, right? Uh, because dads are like whiteboards, right? They're remarkable. Um, so today, uh, we are going to be uh, looking at how God is our father. Um, and how God is really the model of what it means to be the perfect father. And the big idea for today, which is for all of us, not just for dads, is that we're going to be at our best when people can look at us and say that we remind them of our father. So let's take a look at what it means to imitate God as our father. Psalm 103, I'm going to go ahead and read the psalm in its entirety. Starting in verse 1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The The Lord works righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. He makes known his ways to Moses, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame, he remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and his righteousness to his children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and the kingdom, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all his hosts, his ministers who will do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. All right, at the the heart of of Psalm 103, at verse 13, God is compared uh, to a good father, right? And that theme runs through the entire entire psalm. It is a psalm of praise and praise. Today's sermon, um, I'm going to warn you, it may seem like a lot of advice. We have five points in today's sermon about what it means to be a good father. And, 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 and I guess it is, honestly, um, advice heavy, but, 
my hope is that it's going to seem more like encouragement than advice. Um, honestly, I think that, that most of us do better with encouragement. Uh, we don't necessarily need to know how to do things better. We need the encouragement to continue to engage in humility and in faith. And, and, and so that's my goal this morning uh, is, is really, I'm going to be speaking to all of us, but I'm specific, speaking specifically to our dads. And I want to call you, man, anyone can be a good father. And anyone can start to be a good father at any time. Not by doing better and trying harder, but by humbly responding to your heavenly father and becoming more like him, right? So five points. The first is that a good father leads in grace. A good father leads in grace. Take a look again at verses 7 through 12. I'm going to read these again, verses 7 through 12. He, that is God, made his ways known to Moses his acts to the people of Israel. So he's taking us back to Mount Sinai when God gives the law to the nation of Israel and, and God reveals himself to Moses and the nation of Israel. Verse 8 and 9 uh, are actually a summary of Exodus 34, 6 where God reveals himself to his people. And, and the Lord said, man, this is who I am, the Lord, the Lord, right? Verse 8, the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Right? This is God's words about himself. This is God describing himself to his people. He's like, man, I want you to know who I am. This is me. He will not always chide. He will not keep his anger forever. He does not deal with us according to our sins, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Our Father relates to us in grace, and good fathers lead in grace. Um, I think most of us, by default, tend to picture God very much like we've experienced our Father, right? Which is actually kind of the way it's designed to be. I don't know if you realize that. We don't think of God as Father because we've metaphor, taken that as a metaphor and thought, oh, that, that's a good way to relate to God. We have fathers because God is a Father. God created humanity in his own image. And when he created the family unit, when he created fathers, in many ways, he's revealing to us aspects of himself. Okay, so we're not taking a human idea and projecting it on God. When we experience the human experience, we are in many ways discovering more about God. God is a good father. So when you picture God, do you picture God as he's revealed himself? or as you've revealed your own father to be. Many of you may picture God like you experienced your dad. Distant, too busy to care, irritable, angry, maybe perpetually disappointed, waiting for you to prove yourself, to rise to expectations, to live out your potential, always waiting. Listen, y'all, God's not like that. That's not God, who God reveals himself to be. God says, I am merciful and gracious. I don't give you what you deserve. And I always lavish on you what you can't earn. That's mercy and grace. I am a God rich in mercy and grace. He's not a God who is, is waiting for you to prove yourself, waiting to find out if you're going to be worthy of praise, waiting to find out if, 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 
if, if you're going to live up to your potential. He is a God who is eager to pour out his mercy and his grace upon you. He, he tells us, man, he says, I am slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Right? God is not an angry God, always holding back his anger because he loves us so much. He is a God who is slow to anger. His disposition is not angry. Now, that doesn't mean he doesn't become angry, because he does. But what angers God is what angers love. Love does get angry at injustice. Love does get angry when what we love is harmed. Love does get angry when people act in self-destructive ways. It's not the anger of, 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 of flippant rage. It's not the anger of, I'm personally offended. You haven't given me what I want or what I deserve. His anger flows from his love. He is slow to anger and rich in love. And his anger always works for justice, never to get revenge, Never to vent frustration. Never to, to claim something that he doesn't feel like he's getting for himself. His, his anger is an expression of his love, an outflow of his love, and always works toward the fullness of love. Why? Because he says, I'm a God of steadfast love. Now that word, steadfast love, it's two words in English, actually is, is one word in Hebrew, is hesed. Uh, if you're familiar with the Greek word agape, that's a very familiar culturally Agape is the New Testament word for love, and, and um, you'll see it on mugs and things like that. Agape love, selfless love, self-giving love. Hesed is kind of the Old Testament version of that. It's a little bit different, though, in the sense that hesed love is covenant love. That's, that's the idea behind it. It's committed love, self-committing love. He says, I am a God of steadfast love. I am a God of hesed. I am a God who commits myself to loving and one of the reasons I absolutely love that is that means it's an initiating love, not a responding love. In other words, he's not waiting for us to prove ourselves. He's not waiting for us to, to become worthy of his love. He's not waiting for us to improve ourselves enough that he finally is like, good job. He is eager to love. He initiates toward us in love. His love is not a responding love to what he finds attractive, his love is an initiating love, making what he loves attractive. And of course, that's most powerfully demonstrated in his sending his son, Jesus, right? Because our sin angered God. It was a violation, not just of law, but of love. It was a violation of relationship with God. It was a violation of relationship with one another. Every sin is personal. There are no impersonal sins. Every single one of them is a violation of love. Every sin. And as a result, God, who is love and created the universe to function according to love, is angered by love. But what did he do in his anger? In love, he sent his son that he might live the life we should have lived and then die the death we deserve to die. He became our substitute in judgment so that we could become his partner and blessing. He is a God rich in grace and mercy. He is a God who is angry in appropriate ways and is gracious in appropriate ways. This has said love is most powerfully demonstrated 
when we see him channeling that love to earn our redemption, to take upon himself our offense, to pay its price, that we might receive what we could never earn when he took what we deserved. And he sacrificed his only son to pay the price for our sin. Listen, y'all, a good father leads in grace. A good father leads in grace. Now, dads, I I want us to be honest right up front. You can't be this. (laughs) You can't do this. The the description of of God uh, is is well beyond uh, your pay grade, no matter how hard you try. You are not going to be able to respond perfectly in every situation. You are not going to be only angry at the appropriate times to the appropriate extent. It's just not going to happen. You're not always going to be completely merciful, right? Not giving everybody what they deserve. You're not going to be completely gracious, always giving generously what people don't deserve. You can't be God, right? Our Father is God, right? Our Father God is perfect in His said love. We cannot be always patient, never selfish, never provoked, and never provoking. Listen, you can't be a God of grace, but you can respond to the grace of God. That's the invitation. You don't need to be God, but you do need to respond to God. You don't need to to have the the perfect expression of the grace of God like God has. You don't need to be completely filled with said perfect said love, but you do need to be responding to that love so that you can grow in the expression of that love. As you grow rich in your experience of grace, you're going to grow generous in your ability to give that grace freely and spontaneously to others. You want to be a good dad? Grow in your relationship with your heavenly father. Respond to his love in humility. Receive that love. Delight in that love. Bask in that love. Allow that love to to sink into your hard heart. Allow it to comfort your insecurities. Allow it to speak to your needs for for significance or security. Allow it to awaken your understanding that you are worthy of love. Because as you grow secure and rich in love of God, you are also going to grow free in your ability to give that love to others. You don't have to be God, but you need to grow rich in your experience of God. You need to learn to receive grace, to grow in grace so that you can share that grace with your kids. What does that mean? It means believe in Jesus, man. Like receive the gift of grace. If you're not a follower of Christ, man, receive it. I mean, there's there's no pre-qualification other than need because that's all we do to receive salvation. We show up not with our performance, but our need. And it's showing up in our need that we are able to receive grace. And once you've done that, what do you do? You just keep doing it, y'all. Over and over and over again on repeat. You just keep showing up with your need 
and you keep receiving grace, right? Yeah, but Steve, aren't you like supposed to graduate into like, like I received grace to become a believer. Now I need to get down into the hard work of obedience. Obedience flows from love, true obedience. So you know what you need to focus on? Continuing to receive grace. Continuing to respond to the love of God. Because that's how you're transformed. Learn to receive grace so that you can grow in grace. And as you're growing in grace, it's the best gift you can give your kids. It's a heart rich in grace. So good fathers lead in grace. Secondly, good fathers lead with compassion. Good fathers lead with compassion. Take a look at verses 13 and 14. As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. A good father is rich in compassion and leads in compassion. Some guys think that they need to be harsh to help their kids grow. They think that, that, that their anger actually serves them instead of harms them. That somehow it is important at the appropriate times to be angry, to be harsh, right? So, uh, so I've heard guys say things like, you know, my dad was rough with me and it just made me stronger. Yeah, but did it? Did it really? Or did it just teach you to act tough? Some of you grew strong in spite of your father's anger. Not because of it. You ever been working on a car or, you know, something fiddly? And you're, you're you know, working on a, on a, 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 getting a screw out or something and it's kind of rusted into place and, and it's just not working and Man, you eventually get frustrated. What do you do? You grab a hammer, you just bang on it for a little while. You guys are like, yeah, I know. That, yeah. Because, I mean, when nothing else works, that works, or at least it helps. Even if it doesn't come out, it felt good, right? You just bang on it for a little while. Guys, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, I think, honestly, dads often resort to anger when they don't know what else to do. When the situation feels complicated, difficult, maybe even threatening, when you start to feel a little bit of fear that you're maybe not going to be up for this challenge, maybe you're not quite adequate, when your insecurity is starting to surface a little bit in your relationship with your kids, I think often anger is the tool that we pull out of the tool belt to kind of just end the situation. Just in that moment, like, let's just get rid of this insecurity because when we get angry, people respond. When we get harsh, we get results. Now, anger is really, really good at changing momentary behavior. It is absolutely terrible at changing the heart's motivations. What it will do is ultimately give you the illusion of power and of effectiveness but uh, it's not effective, right? Listen, being harsh doesn't make our kids stronger. The only thing it strengthens in them is their insecurity. They'll get really good at pretending and performing so that they don't get your anger. They'll pretend to be what you want them to be, and they'll work really, really hard at performing to try to earn your affection so that you don't bring out your harshness against them. Listen, God remembers that we are frail creatures, he looks at us and he pities us 
because we're made of dust. Fathers, we need to look at our kids and remember they are frail creatures, that they're immature, they're, 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 they're foolish, they're learning, they're growing. They're weak from hunger or exhaustion. They stayed up too late the night before. They're, you know, there's, and you're like, oh, you're just excusing it. No, I'm not. I'm like giving it context. That's what compassion does. Compassion understands behavior in its context. It doesn't excuse it, but it does allow us to meet people in their weakness with compassion and mercy. Good fathers lead with compassion. doesn't mean we're pushovers. It doesn't mean that we don't deal with problems right? Every kid is born into this world asking two fundamental questions. Am I God and am I loved? Right? Am I God? Can I get my own way? Can I bend the world to my expectation? Will you serve me as the sovereign deity of the entire universe? Am I God? But they're also asking, am I loved? Am I worthy of love? Because I don't feel very lovable. I'm not sure I can be loved. We are, in every interaction with our children, answering those two questions. And dads, we need to do our best to answer those questions right. No, you're not God. Yes, you are loved. That requires compassion. It requires us to see our children, know our children, listen to our children, right? Our children are full of pride and they are full of fear. And we need to be continually answering those two questions correctly. No, you aren't God. Yes, you are loved. And you need to remember that uh, even as you are correcting your children's sin, how God has corrected yours, right? You're not going to... You're not going to win anything by trying to take a different tack than God takes with us, right? Romans 2, 4 tells us that it is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. It is the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Now, here's the challenge, y'all. If the kindness of God doesn't lead us to repentance, his anger is not going to. It is the kindness of God. It is love. It is compassion. Because ultimately, repentance is a heart issue, not a behavioral one. Your harshness can change behavior, but it cannot change the heart. That takes compassion. That takes love. That takes grace, right? We need to correct our kids, not out of vengeance, not because it's inconvenient, not because they've embarrassed us in public. We need to correct our kids because that's the loving thing to do. We love our kids, so we correct our kids, right? It's not loving to our kids to let them think they actually are God. <laughs> we need to answer the questions. No, you're not God, but yes, you are loved. Good fathers lead with compassion. Thirdly, good fathers lead with other love, right? Lead with other love. Take a look at verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed, verse 6. Our good father always has his eye on the person in the room that everyone else is looking over. Our good father is the one who, who is noticing the ones others don't notice. 
he is the one honoring the ones that others dishonor. He is the one lifting up those that we may be pushing down culturally. He looks for the outcast, the bullied, the disadvantaged, and the despised. He is a God of justice for all who are oppressed. And that means that he looks for the people we overlook. He honors the people we dishonor. He meets people in their need to lift them up and provide for them, right? Not just the ones who uh, are going to serve him back. Not just the ones who are, you know, he doesn't look around and say, who's, who's going to advantage me to relate myself with? He looks around for those that are in need so that he can meet them in their need with his grace. He is for them because he is a God rich in mercy and gracious. I mean, thank goodness for that because honestly, we're all in that place. We create this illusion that somehow we have it together uh, because, you know, we have an income, a job, a house, uh, we, we have a nice car or, or a 401k or, um, you know, whatever, whatever, whatever it is that makes us think that, that we're, we're not as needy as others. But the reality is, from God's perspective, we're all desperately needy. And God meets us in our place of need. It's an illusion um, uh, that comes from really disordered and abused power structures in, in this worldly system of humanity where we start thinking that there are haves and have-nots. The reality is we're all have-nots desperately in need of only what God can give. It is only by the grace of God that I have what I have and I am what I am. Good fathers lead and other love. Good fathers lead kids to see those others don't see. Good fathers lead their kids to honor those others don't honor. Good fathers look for opportunities to shape their, their children's awareness that there are others that don't have everything they have that aren't as blessed as they're blessed and, that, and it, is, it is noble and dignifying to give nobility and dignity to others who maybe don't have it. We do well to teach our kids to see those that are being bullied, abused, overlooked, and neglected. We enrich our kids in their experience of grace when we teach them to be generous with others, to fight for others and not just for themselves, to see others and to sacrifice for them. You know, I've, I've watched our dads do this. Uh, I've tried to do it with my own children over the years, try to do it now with my grandkids. Um, but I've seen dads bring their kids to help stock the little free pantry outside. You know, just a simple thing. But, but including them. Like not just, oh yeah, the church has a little free pantry but like actually including them, helping them think through what are the things people might need? What are the things that would be, be good for a pantry type setting, right? Some practical advice, like things that aren't going to spoil, things that can sit in the heat and in the cold, things that, but, but are really like helpful for those that, that maybe don't even have kitchens, right? And things like that. And then having the joy of going out and getting it and actually putting it into the little free pantry with them and maybe even taking a moment to pray for those families that are going to be blessed by the generosity. You know what I'm saying? Little simple things but it shapes them, right? I've seen some dads put their kids in the cars and at cold nights go out looking 
for people exposed to the cold because they've put together um, warming packets that they can share. Simple, simple things that make profound difference in the lives of those that are in need. But just making it a point. Tonight it's going to be super cold. We're going to go out and we're going to try to find people that might be in need and, and then just sharing, praying for those people and then sharing those things with them, right? I've seen dads take their kids to R3 in East St. Louis for their uh, work days, their, their second Saturdays, um, going down at East St. Louis and doing projects. I've seen dads take their kids to the warming center in Alton to, to be a blessing. Um, listen, obviously, whatever we do needs to be appropriate to the age and the maturity of our children, right? We need to think through what can our kids handle and what's an appropriate way to engage them, but it's an intentionality that we're going to expose our kids to the needs of others. We're going to make them aware that they have the opportunity to be a blessing, not just those who receive blessing, but can be a blessing because grace is never given to us to simply receive and to hold its powers unleashed in our lives when it passes through us to bless others. We grow in grace when we grow in generosity. Good fathers lead in other love. Next, good fathers lead in keeping an eternal perspective. Good fathers lead in keeping an eternal perspective. Take a look at verses 15 through 19. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him, and his righteousness to his children's children, to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Good fathers lead in keeping an eternal perspective. Can you imagine how hard life would be if you had short-term memory loss? Like maybe you had enough long-term memory, you knew your name, you know, you knew where you lived, especially if you lived there a long period of time, you, you know, you know, family members because you've known them for decades, but every time you stopped to get gas and you got back in your car, you didn't know where you were going or why you were going there. Can you imagine how hard life would be to navigate if you were continually losing your short-term memory? Y'all, that's us. That is the human condition. We are continually forgetting why we're here and where we're going. We are continually forgetting that the world around us is not all there is, nor is it the most important of what there is. We forget that, that the earthly kingdom of man is not the measure of glory or success. The kingdom of God is. And in fact, the kingdom of God, which was inaugurated at the resurrection of Christ, is already here in his people and will be fully revealed when Christ returns. Fathers, we need to be continually reminding our kids where they live in redemptive history. We need to be continually reminding them of what's most important that they have an important role to play in God's story and where they are in that story. Because the temptation is to forget and to just start living for the kingdom of man, to start thinking of earthly success as genuine success, to start thinking about the accumulation of money as genuine security, the accumulation of followers on social media as genuine approval, to start thinking of, of, of vacations and video games as genuine rest. 
And as good as those things are, they're not ultimate, nor are they the things that will last. We need to remind our kids that the kingdom of God is here because you know what that tells them? It tells them that no failure is final. It gives them the courage to take risks, like genuine risks, because no failure here is final. It also allows them to not be um, destroyed by their own success. Because no matter how much success we have in this world, only eternal success will carry with us into the kingdom to come. Because we know that in the end of the day, the only true wealth is love. And it's only what is done in love is an expression of love and grows love. That'll be the wealth we carry with us into the kingdom of God. Right? That's how we grow generous kids. That's how we grow bold kids. That's, that's, how, we, how, that's how we help our kids like, like, like be able to, to in, invest fully in their lives and developing their potential, discovering God's wiring for them, but not becoming obsessed with a need to succeed, nor with a consuming fear of failure. This is freedom. When they recognize the true treasure that will be eternal is love, and that at the end of the day, we're not even called by God to succeed. We're called to be faithful. That's the human job description. We teach our kids to be faithful, they will be successful. Because they'll follow God, right? We need to remind our kids continually where they are in God's story, that God loves them, that God paid the price to redeem them, that God is coming back to transform them. You need to help kids live in this life with a perspective that keeps their eyes on the fullness of life to come so that they don't waste their lives chasing temporary goals, empty riches, and uh, trophies that at the end of the day are just going to be thrown on the trash heap. And here's the beautiful thing about this, y'all. As we continually remind our kids about that, we remind ourselves. Because we need the same reminder. And as we're reminding our kids and speaking these truths to our kids, we're reminding ourselves, we're renewing our own perspective because we need it just as desperately as they do. All right, final point. Good fathers lead in praise. Good fathers lead in praise. Let's look, take a look at the first five verses of the psalm. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Jump down to verse 20. Bless the Lord, O oh you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you hosts, his ministers who do his will. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Good fathers, lead in praise. I used to think, so I, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, and I, I didn't have the example of uh, a good father. Um, I had to figure out a lot of this, um, like many of us have to. And, uh, and even that, I had to work through a lot of, of cultural uh, myths 
of what a good father looked like. Um, after I became a believer, I heard people talking about family devotionals and how important it was that you were a, a pastor father and that you led your family in devotionals. And, and um, uh, as I looked around, really the only image that came to my mind was, was of, this, of this way of leading family devotions. And so I tried it, man. I tried it. Uh, my kids, I don't know if they remember it. It was hard. You know, I'd line up the kids and I'd preach them a little sermon. That was kind of the way we did it right? It was like, this is, this is what it means to be a godly dad. So I'm going to do this thing. They were the worst congregation ever, <laughs> ever. And I'm sure I was the worst preacher that ever existed. It was pitiful. It was painful. It left me feeling insecure. It left me feeling shame. Like, like I'm not a good enough dad. I'm not spiritual. I can't do this. Uh, and it left my kids feeling even more disconnected from me because they were like, I don't even know what's happening right now. Dad, you're so weird, um, right? Listen, I want to free you from some of that. I don't know if, that, if that's in your head. I don't know if you feel guilt for not having been the pastor dad you were supposed to be. You didn't preach the sermons. You didn't do the devotionals. You know, that's a, that's a whole lot of... A whole, a whole lot of weight you don't need on your shoulders. It's cultural and it's not real. It's mythology. Listen, I, I, here's what I've learned as a dad. Devotional time happens in real time. Devotional time happens in real time. Sacred time happens in mundane moments. If you're just intentional. When you're, when you're with your kids at a sporting event, driving them home after they've played soccer. Ooh, and when they're doing their chores or they're not, and so you do them with them because they're not doing them. When you're hanging out with them at mealtime. When you're bouncing with them on the trampoline. When you're out walking the dogs with them. when you're fixing something in the garage. Sacred moments happen in mundane moments if you're intentional. Listen, dads, you are the worship leaders of your home. You are. But don't let that intimidate you. Don't let that be like this overwhelming weight, you know, like, like, I don't even know what that means. I don't know how to do it. You know, like, you know what it means? It means you praise God in front of your kids. That's what it means. It means that you experience joy in God's love and you share that joy with your kids. That's what it means. It means when your kids are struggling with insecurities, you speak into their insecurities with the strength of God's love. You just remind them that God loves them and is God, God's for them. When, when, when they're struggling with, with, with whether or not their life is ever going to have meaning or purpose, you remind them that there is a God who is telling a better story from their lives than they could ever tell for themselves. You just, in your own language, in your own way, not with eloquence, you don't have to have the catchy preacher phrases. You can just be there and be present. 
and speak love and courage and faith and strength into their hearts. Listen, y'all, praise God in front of your kids. Just do it. Praise God in your kids' presence, right? Bless the Lord, oh my kids. Ah, Dad, you're so weird. I know. It's the beauty of being Dad, right? I can be weird as long as I'm laughing at myself. Everyone does take joy in it. That's the beauty of a dad's joke, right? They're all bad, but we all love it when Dad laughs at his own jokes, right? That's the, that's the thing. Speak well of God. Talk about God's love for you and his love for your kids. Talk about how he sent his son because he loved us so much. Talk about how, how God did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. Just talk about it. Bless the Lord. Just speak about it, right? Not artificially. Don't, don't try to find these artificial moments where you're like, when you get to heaven... And God asks you, why should I let you in? What will you say, right? Just, you don't need to get like the awkward evangelistic, like, here's my moment. I'm going to speak this truth. I better not waste it, right? Like in the mundane moments, just let it bleed out of you. Now, here's the challenge, Dad. It's not going to bleed out of you if you're not fostering it yourself. You can't lead your kids to experience something you're not leading your own heart to experience. To be the worship leader of your home means you need to be first the worship leader of your own heart. You need to be renewing your experience the love of God. You need to be renewing your, your wonder at the grace of God. You need to be, be allowing the grace of God to undo your pride, undo your fear, restructure your hopes, speak into your failures, speak into your struggles. You need to be finding God on your journey if you want to help your kids find God on theirs. It doesn't mean you need to have it all figured out. You just need to be stumbling forward into grace and letting your kids see you stumble. But letting them see how you stumble. That you're stumbling in faith, in love, in grace toward God. And when you're not, you know, be honest about that too. Because that's the beauty of grace. When you fail, when you're not what you're supposed to be, when you're angry at the inappropriate time, when you're short, when you're hangry, just be honest about it. Learn to apologize to your kids when it's appropriate. Learn to let your weakness show in front of your kids. Because listen to me, humility is strength, not perfection. Perfection is a myth. An overwhelming weight at that. It'll destroy you. Just be honest. And in humility, invite your kids. Speak well of God. Bless his name. Right? Listen, some of you are Cardinals fans because your dads were. You inherited your dad's love. Right? Some of you like specific brands of cars because your dad liked that car. Some of you like specific brands of clothing. Whatever, right? You know why? Dads, listen. What you praise 
shapes the affection of your children. What you praise shapes the affection of your children. Good fathers lead in praise. They talk about God's love. They celebrate God's love. They, they talk about God's grace. And they do it as awkwardly and as weirdly as they need to do it. And they just do it in, 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 in ways that, that invite kids, that see their kids and invite their kids into that joy. But we understand that what we praise shapes the affection of our children. We need to go rich in our experience of grace and then share that experience with our kids. That's what it means to be the worship leaders of our home. All right, as I wrap up, if you only take one thing away this morning, I want you to take this. That your heavenly Father's crazy about you. He delights in you. He's not waiting for you to impress him. He's not waiting for you to measure up before he loves you. He loves you. Grow rich in that love and then share that love. Not about being perfect. It's not about getting it all right. It's not about... It's just learning how to be a channel of grace. How to receive that grace and share that grace. So, dads, happy Father's Day. May your day be better than your jokes. All right, I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. And... Uh, we are going to take a little bit of time for reflection, and then we are going to share communion and say, let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that you are a good father, that you see us, that you love us, that you lead with love, that you lean in toward our weakness. You don't run from it, that you, you draw near to remove our shame, not condemn us for it. You, you in fact, pay the price to remove our guilt not hold us accountable for it. You're not looking for us to grow into our potential. You are looking for us to respond to your love. And I thank you for that invitation. Lord, I pray that this morning you will give grace to each one of us, that you will allow us to relate to you as a good father, to love you as a good father, and then in that love to relate to each other in a way that honors you, blesses you, and blesses others. I pray especially for the dads. The Lord, you will give them the boldness of courage and the strength of humility as they walk this challenging road of seeking to be a blessing to their children.